Welcome to Across the Desk and our new series, The Future Looks Good. We're focusing on autism and employment and connecting you to resources that can help your future look good. You are the future. The future looks good. a button on my keyboard will you stop it <laughs> behave do you need water okay you want a mint you gonna shut up now okay hello and welcome to across the desk my name is elizabeth ploof and and i'm the across the desk person um <laughs> that's my other across the desk person so across the desk recently launched a new podcast series be called the future looks good uh, you'll have to forgive us because today is a bit of a wacky day. Um, but what we're doing today is a follow up to our executive function part one called executive function part two. Creative, right? Very creative. That's what we do. My co-host for the Future Looks Good podcast series is my business partner, Paulette Goddard. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. At four <laughs> o'clock in the afternoon. Still there. Still there. Um, it's been a bit of an odd day, and it's a bit of a special day for me as well because um, an odd, well, odd and special. Yeah. So today is two years that my mom passed away. Um, we're recording this on January thirteenth, and that's special because my mom really supported Spiro Careers Canada, and in particular NanoWorks, which is the platform we're building to support the autism community. So every chance I get to give a shout out to my mom for, for her support and for supporting my son, um, who's on the spectrum, uh, I do. So that's why the, the platform's called NanaWorks, because my kids called my mom Nana. So, but kind of an interesting lead in, because one of the things that used to drive my mom mental was Thomas's executive function deficit. <laughs> <laughs> because, bless his heart. Um, my son is incredibly smart, empathetic, funny. I've, you've heard me wax on about him before. Um, but yeah, his executive function deficit can really be a pain in the pooch. Mm -hmm. And part of what irritated my mom was how irritated I would get when his executive function deficit would crop up and cause havoc. However, in an interesting twist, one of the things that's come up in the past year um, and I think partly in due to the pandemic, but just mm -hmm. in general. Um, Paulette is an extremely experienced autism coach. She's making funny faces at me, but she's been working with people on the spectrum for many, many years. And she recognized the uh, signs of anxiety in Thomas mm -hmm. well before I did, which you'd think you're a mom, like buck up. But he did a really good job of managing and he does. Mm -hmm. He functions mm -hmm. extremely well. It's not debilitating. But some of his behaviors are fueled by anxiety. And we finally had a little experience a couple of weeks ago where he admitted how much his anxiety can get in the way. Mm. I was like, huh, who knew? Yeah. <laughs> I knew. Yeah. <laughs> Paulette knew. His executive function deficit is also troubled by the fact that he's also dyslexic and he's also ADD. Yeah. So super fun times. You can imagine some of the... It got to the point where my mom would say, can you stop saying his name? <laughs> you say his name a lot. Because yeah. it was usually, Thomas, focus. Thomas, what are you doing? Tom and like, nobody needs to. Like, that's not fun for anybody. No, right? definitely not. 
So our previous uh, podcast on executive function sort of focused on what that looks like, what executive function skills are, what can happen when they're not going well for you. If you're, he's diagnosed with an executive function deficit through our developmental pediatrician. Um, and as an adult, if that's not caught as a kid, how that can impact, but how you can also work on it, right? So they've confirmed that our brains have something called neuroplasticity, which means you can continue to learn Correct. till the day you die. Mm -hmm. So if you're struggling with an executive function deficit now, doesn't matter what age you are, there are ways that you can uh, fix that. Mm -hmm. And if you listen to our other podcast, we've got some tips and tricks in there, and we're gonna be building some resources on the spiritcareerscanada.ca website, so you can access those. They're coming, they're not there yet. Today, we are jumping into um, how anxiety hijacks your executive function mm -hmm. deficit. And um, as I mentioned in the beginning, you know, two years today that my mom passed away very unexpectedly and um, a bit, not traumatically, that just sounds, yeah, I mean, just not under the best circumstances. And so, you know, Paulette's been so patient today because, whew, my executive function has been a little bit challenging. A little bit challenging. It's been shit. Yeah, okay, shit. It's been shit. Okay. We're going to use the shit word. Okay. So the fact that we're even executing this podcast today <laughs> is a bit of a freaking miracle. Yeah, for sure. So some of the things that we're going to talk about today um, are understanding emotions and the levels of emotions, positive and negative, um, and why finding ways to think calmly and rationally can help you um, if your anxiety is hijacking your executive function. Um, Paulette has done a ton of courses and certifications and what have you in this particular range, especially to do it with emotional regulation. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that is, and she's, she's mentioned this on other podcasts, is that she deals with anxiety herself. And so she knows firsthand. Mm -hmm. I apparently am in denial. Not sure. You're in denial, definitely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We'll just go with that one for now. Go with that one. But I do use tools. Mm -hmm. um, so mine's not a debilitating form. Mine's a, usually a reactive form. Is it not? I don't know. Most anxiety is not debilitating. It's yeah. the panic attacks that are debilitating. Those suck. They, oh, those are horrid. Yeah. Those are absolutely I horrid. have had a couple of those. Yeah. They're not fun. No. So if you've had panic attacks, it's usually because you have an underlying generalized anxiety disability or disorder. And she's looking at me with like this very accusatory face. However, my panic attacks are usually a direct result from an extraneous life event so I didn't have panic attacks until my dad died mm -hmm. and then folks I had one that scared the bajubbers out of me mm -hmm. and I remember driving to work mm -hmm. didn't remember how I got there got out of the car and literally could not move mm -hmm. had no warning had no nothing mm -hmm. I was like what the holy stink balls is going on here mm -hmm. Um, and I think I've only had one or two since, but they're, they're not out of the blue generally. They're usually causal. Yeah. They're often triggered by specific things. Yeah. But what the thing is that gets you with panic attacks is that they're, they're debilitating. You generally freeze. Yeah. With a panic attack. Sucks. Junk. And you don't know why. And you yeah. don't know where it came from. Yeah. And you can't, in the moment, you cannot recognize anything about how to oh, deal yeah. with it. Can't regulate. Can't, you just mm -hmm. gotta let it happen. And imagine being in a pitch dark parking lot in the middle of, <laughs> and you can't run. Yeah. 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 That was, so I've been there. Mm -hmm. It's not a daily thing for me, but 
But, but what I think we need to talk about here is how executive functioning enters into the period, to the anxiety phase, and what it, it's how it's linked together, because um, emotional self-regulation is the ability to take the previous executive functioning skills that we've talked about yep. and use them to manipulate our own emotional state. A lot of people don't realize that it is an executive functioning skill that helps us deal with emotional state. It means you learning to use the words, the images, and your own self-awareness to process and alter how we feel about things. It's very important that you understand how that all fits together. And just to recap for a second, um, and it's funny because we're both looking at the same article, but they just look, that's too funny. Yeah. So um, executive function in adults. So these are the seven executive function skills which are critical in managing everyday life and long-term goals, which once we jump into the whole anxiety thing, uh, you'll understand a little better how this gets in the way. Sorry, I'm just seeing something on here that could help with a little, maybe that's not gonna help. I think I just did the wrong thing. That's okay. okay. Um, oh, here we go. There we go. Hopefully that's gonna work better. Okay. So self-awareness, mm -hmm. inhibition, mm -hmm. um, otherwise known as self-restraint, nonverbal working memory, so the ability to hold things in your mind, um, visual imagery, how well you can picture things mentally, verbal working memory, so self-speech or internal dialogue, uh, and that includes the imposter syndrome response and negative self-talk and all that good stuff, emotional self-regulation, the ability to take the previous four executive functions and use them to manipulate your own emotional state and manipulate in a positive way, mm -hmm. not like a mm -hmm. Machiavellian nasty way, um, self-motivation, um, how well you can motivate yourself to complete a task. Oh, high five to me for doing the podcast in my current yes, you did. dysfunctional state. And planning and problem solving. And this is the one with my son that just goes out the freaking window. But they all work together. And that's one of oh, the things sure. that a lot of people have to be aware of is that if you do not have planning and problem solving skills or self-awareness, you're not going to be able to use executive functioning skills or process yep. information appropriately. And to, for understanding anxiety and how it works in the body is you have to understand what the emotional states are. You have to be self-aware around those emotional states. And be willing to. So here's some examples. So I, I think Thomas comes by his executive function deficit, honestly. Because um, forgetting to, com well, actually this is not totally me, but some of these are. Okay. Forgetting to complete tasks, inability to keep track of personal items like keys and cell phones, Trouble following conversations, losing train of thought. I mean, I do that all the time, but mm -hmm. you've met my brain. Yes, mm -hmm. your brain is fun. It is. Difficulty remembering steps in a multi-step process, inability to remember names, uh, often late, problems breaking big projects into steps, trouble meeting deadlines, unable to multitask. Now, I take umbrage with that one because it is proven that multitasking is a fallacy. Mm -hmm. And you should, to be most effective complete the task before moving on to another one. Mm -hmm. And it is a complete, people who tell you, I multitask all the time, horseshit. They just keep jumping from one thing to another mm -hmm. and don't necessarily, um, they're not as functional as they should be. Difficulty remembering abbreviations and acronyms. Interesting. Um, symptoms of executive function deficit at home. Oh, interesting. Something you want to ask a friend on the phone, you must wait a few minutes before asking. By the time she's finished, you completely forget what you wanted to ask. It's usually why I interrupt people. <laughs> be like, that's going to go out of my brain if I don't, or write it down. Uh, talking with a friend, you find it difficult to follow the conversation, forgetting what your friend just said moments before. I think that's also mm -hmm. 
in our current society, we are training people to have a divided attention span and versus teaching them to focus intently on what that person's saying. We find that kind of intense focus uncomfortable when it's person to person. Mm -hmm. I think that's more to do with that. That's another story. Um, yeah, forgetting the last step when you're doing a household chore. Read something. You usually end up going back to reread the prior section because you can't remember it. For me, it's usually because I start thinking. Yes. And then I trail off. Misplace my cell phone. No, I'm really good at that. Balance. I'm really making this about me today. It is all about you. It usually is. Uh, difficulty finding a work-life balance. That's true. And then... Symptoms of executive dysfunction at work. And because of what we do, that's kind of important. Uh, in the morning, you rush around to get ready for work, but still often end up being late. For those of you who are looking to get a job, but that's a hard no. Plan to complete some work at home and pack up the items you need at the end of your work day. When you sit down to do the work, you realize that you forgot to bring home several of the critical items. <laughs> Oopsie chicken. Mm -hmm. Often accused of not listening because you don't follow through on tasks. Hard time remembering co-workers' names. Hard. That, that's me. I can't remember anybody's name. Who am I? Um. <laughs> <laughs> hard time managing large projects. Um, hard time managing deadlines. And co-workers would describe you as easily frustrated. So, and this is where anxiety can really start to play havoc. Um, if you are already dealing with an executive function deficit... And then you add a co-diagnosis of anxiety on top of that. That's going to exacerbate the condition and make it. And then you, you start to really get down on yourself because you think it's all you when, yes, it is you, but. But your brain's been hijacked. Your brain is hijacked by anxiety. And when your brain is hijacked, you're not self-aware. You're not in control. Oh, she's getting. Yeah, I'm getting it. Getting down. And it's hard to use executive functioning skills when your brain is hijacked. Yes. And that's, you know, and I know within the autism community, at least my experience has been mindfulness is a bit of a touchy mm -hmm. subject. However, there's a lot of positive things around mindfulness. And especially when you're dealing with what we're going to talk about right now. So. I'm turning it over to the expert here. Don't shake your hand at me, Missy. What am I talking about now? Okay. I don't <laughs> <laughs> we actually have a whole action plan in front of us, so yes. she's just being facetious. But anyway. So we opened up by saying um, emotional awareness and regulation. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about what you have to do here. Um, because the next thing it says here is understanding different levels of emotions. A lot of people will tell you that their anxiety goes from zero to 100 in a flash of a second. True. It does, and that's the awareness most people have. Now start to break it down. If you actually sat and thought about all the different things you felt two hours before you have your uh, anxiety attack, fair. you start to feel all these things that have changed. You might have an initial trigger two hours ago that builds on a secondary trigger that builds on somebody asking you a question, and suddenly you're at Don't hit extreme the anxiety. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thinking about understanding the levels of emotion. That build-up that, that if you, build you up. have to look for the, yeah. Yep, and yep, if yep. you become aware of those different levels, those different steps of emotion, you will understand that, that just because your boss has asked you to do something wasn't the, the final trigger or was the final trigger yeah. because you've had 10 other things that happened has caused your anxiety to build. So getting that self-awareness and, and understanding where your anxiety is in the different levels will help you manage and figure out how to control that anxiety. 
Well, not let it escalate because if you yeah. can, if you can cut it off at the first mm -hmm. couple of um, symptoms, yeah. look at that forgetfulness sign of executive function deficit. If you can cut it off and recognize, and that was part of the living life to the full course that we yeah. taught, which was helping people to you know emotionally self regulate and um, identify those triggers. And most people don't do. Here's one thing that torques me off: is that a lot of people won't do the mm -hmm. hard work it mm -hmm. takes to dig into this. So if you're listening, thank you, much appreciated, because you're doing part of the hard work that it takes to dig in and find out what's going on with you. Yeah, and you have to figure out how to keep yourself in a calm state because when you're in the calm state, you can use your planning skills, you can use your focusing yeah. skills, you can organize things and you can actually get tasks done. If you let your anxiety go to an extreme state. You're, it's mobilizing. Yeah, you're and, gonna be yeah. in fight, flight or freeze. And if you're in fight, flight or freeze, you're not doing anything. So here's the, just to clarify, because my immediate reaction to that was, we're not saying you have to be Zen all the time. No, no, no nobody no. can be right. And you know, unless you are locked away in a monastery, Buddhistery, you know, Buddhistery, Buddhistery, yes. Buddhistery. That was oh. a good one. Oh yeah. Yeah. A Buddhist monastery. Um, so we're not in any way stating that you have to remain Zen at all times, mm -hmm. a calm state of mind has to be personal to you you got to figure out what that level of calm is for you. So we were jumping into, for me, one of the biggest things, like we just discussed, is pinpoint the problem. Yep. What is it that's making you anxious? What has set you off? And, and do you have a list of those? Yeah. And everybody's list is going to be totally different. So what sets off my anxiety is not going to what, be what sets off your anxiety. So you have to understand this within yourself. That's, again, we're going right back to self-awareness. I'm self-aware that I can't drive with you. She's totally self-aware that she can't <laughs> drive with you. I like my driving skills. I'm really good I'm self-aware that if I drive with you, my anxiety is going to go through the roof. So Paulette, Paulette doesn't drive when we go places. Yeah, okay. um, but she gets here safely, so that's good. So <laughs> have you evaluated your current life choices and what might be contributing to an anxious state? On that one, mm -hmm. yeah. hit it, honey, because that's a big one. And you deal with this so much with your clients. Yeah, because a lot of people are stuck on the negative loop that goes around in their head. Mm-hmm. And they can't get past that negative loop to do something that's more important in their life that would help them get out of the anxious state. Mm -hmm. So these are all things that you have to think about where you're at, what you're doing, and how it's affecting your life. If you're stuck in a negative loop cycle or you're catastrophizing continuously, it's going to hold you back. It's going to keep you stuck where you are. But that can also relate to, you know, uh, I was talking in another group about accountability and not just on a specific goal, but you need to be accountable for your mental health, your social health, your mm -hmm. physical health. If you are ignoring any of those, they are definitely going to contribute to an anxiety state. Mm -hmm. If you are not getting outside, mm -hmm. if you are not making any effort to reach out to whatever your social circle looks like mm -hmm. or your support circle, if you are not taking time to check in on your mental health, mm -hmm. you in trouble. Yeah. And, you know, executive functioning plays a major role in all of this. And it's important that you all understand what your cognitive control is. Ooh, what's that? Cognitive control is actually <laughs> controlling your cognitive thoughts, Miss Elizabeth. No. <laughs> She's having a hard time today. <laughs> I thought it was more nope, than that. No, it's all cognitive control. So it's helping you regulate your emotions through inhibiting unwanted or inappropriate emotional responses. Oh, hot damn because mm -hmm. so I do a lot of reading about this and I just finished reading Dan Harris's 10% Happier oh which I have to give you before you leave today mm -hmm. 
And so this guy is a major NBC newscasty kind of guy. So he has he's been on TV in a variety of capacities. And uh, you'd think, given what he's done in his life, he would have a, a good head on his shoulders and whatever. Mm-hmm. His level of negative self-talk was, I mean, I, I pff, yeah. never even knew people talk to themselves that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, he launched on this four or five year journey um, into meditation and what have you, because his negative self-talk was so debilitating, it was making him hyper-react, it was negatively impacting his work relationships, it was negatively impacting his personal relationships, Mm -hmm. and I'm about as cynical as you can get, and when I finished reading this book, I was like, huh, well, I could be, everybody could be 10% happier, like, that'd be all right. Yeah. And that's all you need is that 10%. You don't need to be 100% happier. Nobody can be 100% happier. Well, We'd like to be, but we're not there. You need a lot of pharmaceuticals for that. <laughs> <laughs> but all this, this whole bit around uh, people on the spectrum, they have a lot of negative self-talk or yep. worries that they're worried about. One of my clients was so worried about whether he could get the certain type of drink that he drinks all the time that he couldn't focus on anything else until he found the store that had it in stock. He couldn't do anything. He was phoning all the stores. That, to me, was an extreme... It's an extreme worry. No, I do that sometimes, But highly anxious individuals are always carrying around all this extra worry. And when you have all that extra worry, you can't function. They have less space and flexibility to be able to handle anything else in their life. Well, you're pushing important information out of your head to make space for stuff that doesn't Doesn't matter matter and won't happen. Yeah. It's the stories you're telling yourself. Brene Brown references that quite frequently is... What's the story you're telling yourself about that situation? Mm-hmm. And is it true? Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you can't go with that and understand where you're going over the top with worry, then you're not emotionally regulating. You're not aware that you're Your being Your regulator hijacked. is broken. That's a good way of looking at it. Go for it. You can't breathe. So I did scuba diving lessons. If you're not checking your regulator, you're dead. <laughs> Don't laugh because I was down at the bottom of a lake swimming around. Mm-hmm. Um my air was fine but I had not been mindful on the I was so excited about what I was doing like imagine sitting on the bottom of a lake Mm -hmm. playing with a crayfish I can still remember doing all of that and it was so cool I was not mindful on the way up however and I was not regulating my breath appropriately and um, ended up with a nitrogen expansion and blew my eardrum so I came up through the surface of the water and my instructor happened to be face to face with me. I can still remember his face. I was like, that was awesome. And he just looked at me and he's like, you need to go to shore now. And I was like, but that was great. And I want to, he's like, nope, not today. Cause I had blood pouring out of my ear. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, not aware. So all this, this executive functioning around understanding your emotional regulation and being self-aware about what your thought processes are is going to help you think rationally and bring yourself to a calmer state. That means that you'll be planning, focusing on tasks, organizing yourselves, and it'll be a little bit easier for you. Um, our ability to emotional re- emotionally regulate is critical to smooth functioning of all of our executive functionings. There's two main reasons for executive functioning. (laughs) Increasing appropriate emotional expression so you do not have that meltdown, so that you do not have that outburst, or you do not completely shut down and don't do anything. 
and managing intense emotions like anger or acute anxiety that can interfere with smooth executive functioning or a smooth day. If you're not aware if you're of saying all these smooth things, and all I can think about is poop. Like yes. <laughs> sorry. Well But it does make your day shitty. Like if you are constantly angry mm -hmm. and constantly overreacting. I am aware more of that now. Mm -hmm. I wasn't as a kid. But you've also become more aware of it, even since we took the living life to the core. Oh yeah, hundred percent. course, because it start you go, oh my god, that's part of what I do. So you started to say those things during that course. Yep. And you became uh, more aware. Interesting though, mm -hmm. if I may, just mm -hmm. had a thought. And yes, I mean it has to do with my my mom. So my mom and dad passed both passed away in January, so it's a bit of a crap month. Both of my parents modeled the behavior of reacting to stress with anger. Mm -hmm. And I mean, didn't beat each other, so don't get me wrong, but yelling and slamming doors and mm -hmm. whatever. And I have to wonder if that's part of it. If you haven't had, um, I'll now back up for a second. So when we did the Living Life to the Full course, which is a course that's offered through um, the Center for Addiction, Addiction? No. no, sorry, Canadian, Canadian, Canadian Association Mental Health Association. Mental Health. Yes, thank you. And Autism Ontario. We offered it to um, adults and caregivers of people on the spectrum and those who were 18 plus on the spectrum. And one of the things that came out during the, um, the session with the parents was a lot of them were a lot of self-denial of, of things that they enjoyed. So rather than going for that walk or taking that time to read a book or whatever, they're like, no, 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 I don't have time. No, 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 I don't have time. But then they were highly critical of their kids for not being able to go outside and be social and not taking the time to do that for themselves and whatever. And I had taken a quick break and I came back in. Mm -hmm. And before we started again, I said, you know, can I have everybody's attention? Um, and I said to the parents, how can you expect your kids to take those breaks and be kind to themselves and, and self-regulate and whatever when you don't model that behavior? Mm -hmm. So if you are a parent listening, Keep in mind that if you pattern self-denial and go, go, go and everything else, because you don't, you know, my thought process, I don't want to look lazy to my kids, but mm. I sit down and read mm -hmm. and I sit down and bake and my kids, I hope both know that that's an important part of, you know, emotional regulation. Yeah. yeah. See, I'm just all kinds of smart and I didn't even know. But everyone has to be aware of what they need to emotionally regulate because 90% of the people out there will tell you, do you have to do mindfulness meditation? Yeah. That doesn't work for a lot of people because they don't understand the principle behind it. M mindfulness is being aware of what you're doing and where you are in the present moment. Yeah. So it is not emptying your brain of thoughts. It is not removing all thoughts from your head. It's being aware of where you are right now. Mm -hmm. what your thoughts are, mm -hmm. what your body's doing, what you are doing, what you are thinking right now. Are you aware of that? Right now I am. Like I'm sitting on my ball chair. I'm aware that my butt's going numb. But other than that, like... But then it, a lot of people aren't aware of these kind of things. They're yeah. not listening to the external noises that they hear. I use Headspace for that. Mm -hmm. So I recognized a long time ago that to, for me to sit... Mm -hmm and meditate on my own was never gonna happen. I have ADD, I'm a type A personality, I have <laughs> I have issues. Um, and me doing that on my own, not gonna be positive. However, me with guided meditation, love it. And again, recognizing what you need and are aware yeah. of what you need. For me, 
I did Headspace for a year. Mm-hmm. And I threw it in the garbage because it was a pile of crap for me. Ha! Ha! I know. What works for me is breath practice and breath regulation. I sit with no sounds, with my eyes shut. Oh, I lose my nut. And manage my breath. And I can sit there for 20 minutes before I go, how long have I been sitting here anyways? Yeah, no. Yeah. No can do. And my, my brain does not do. allow that. Yeah. And I should, you know, I, I'm not going to shit on myself, but that's, I, you know, I should. I should but address that better. You can't shut off your thought processes while you're doing this. Nope. But when you redirect your thought processes to something else, you redirect it to a guided meditation. Yeah. I direct it inward to my breath. It is something that calms us down. Both of us have a different strategy. Mm-hmm. It works for us. You have to find what works for I you. I do do the breath. Mm-hmm. I just can't do it for 20 minutes because I'd be like. anything else, yeah. No, I'd be like, okay, so I need to go shopping. <laughs> and I need to go do the grocery list. <laughs> and I need to clean the kitchen. <laughs> I need to go write that email. <laughs> Mission not accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have to find what works for you. And yeah. if you find what works to you, for you, you'll be able to do it. So emotional regulation, and I'm just a just an FYI. Um, Paulette found this fantastic book. If you're interested in her resources, um, life changing strategies to improve executive function, brain hacks, work smarter, stay focused, and achieve your goals by Lara Honos Webb, H O N O S dash Webb. Um, I'm going to be getting this book for myself because it looks awesome, and I'm always interested in new resources. Um, and out of that, the two stages of emotional regulation, increasing appropriate emotional expression. So Which just we like talked about, just yeah. talked about and then managing intense emotions that in- can interfere with smooth executive functioning, which we just discussed mm-hmm. as well. So if you're in a high stress situation, mm-hmm. how can you get through that? The three steps to build some resilience in this kind of situation is recognizing the feeling, which we've discussed. And it's not just recognizing it's being able to recognize it and name it. Because there's more than five emotions. There's about 150,000 of them. Well, that just got hard. <laughs> it is <laughs> extremely hard. But we want to narrow it down a little bit. But you have to recognize when you're feeling some way. And you have to be able to say, I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm angry, I'm ang- anxious. And a lot of people don't say those things. Oh, interesting side note. And I know I'm full of stories today. However, this was an eye-opener for me, which I have shared a lot. Which was the day I got married, I went in to get my hair done. And I kept saying to the hairdresser how nervous I was. Mm-hmm. And she said, and finally she stopped, like put her hand on my arm. And she said, sweetheart, you're not nervous. You're excited. Mm-hmm. And as soon as she said that, I was like, ooh, that's better. Because when I, telling myself I was mm-hmm. nervous, I was like, well, I shouldn't feel, I started feeling bad about feeling nervous because like I love my husband and why wouldn't I want to marry him and yada, yada, yada. And then I did some um, neural research and discovered that the feeling of excited and nervousness in your body feels the, the same. same. Mm-hmm. It is how you decide. So you do have a choice. Am I excited or am I nervous? Mm-hmm. And taking a bit of a moment for a self-check mm-hmm. to understand the situation. Like you were just saying, you know, ground yourself in the situation and here's in the way. And... Um, making that determination of your emotional state. Ari. So what Elizabeth did right there was the second step in the three steps of resilience. She recognized that she had a feeling, but she was labeling it incorrectly. So she identified the positives there. The positives were <gasps> Look she at me go. so excited about getting married. I was. Right? 25 years, people. 25 and, years in June. And then she created an action plan, which was she did follow through and get married. No, well, that didn't deal with my excitedness, <laughs> but... She didn't have a meltdown or blame on her feelings, but she didn't complain about it anymore because she was excited. 
it really shifted my whole perspective on that. And, and I shared that actually in our living life to the full group for our 18 plus. Mm -hmm. And you could see some aha moments with that, which was really fantastic just for them to recognize that you have that choice in your emotional state. You don't have to be a slave to your base emotions Mm -hmm. that yes, it can seem overwhelming. Yes, it can seem insurmountable, but you do have that power to stop And here's one of the best tips ever is your body, when you are in fight, flight, or freeze, automatically escalates your respiration rate, Mm -hmm. meaning you breathe faster Mm -hmm. in anticipation of requiring more oxygen to either run, beat the crap out of somebody, or defend yourself. Mm -hmm. If you take three deep cleansing breaths, your body actually shuts down the fight, flight, freeze response because it recognizes that you are able to take those deep breaths and hyper oxygenate and and what have you so some people can think they're talking a bunch of crap but it's scientifically proven that taking that deep breath stops that process calms the level of cortisol that's being pumped into your body and actually allows you to think better And it's nothing to do with the oxygen as much as it is telling your body to control, calm your shit. Yeah. Controlling your body. It's the only uh, anatomical function you have control over is your breath. You cannot tell your stomach to stop digesting that food. True. You cannot tell your heart to slow down, but you can make your heart slow down by slowing down your breath. True. So there you go. You can also control blinking your eyes though. That's not, uh, that is not one of the internal anatomical functions that I'm talking about. Um, blinking is an autonomous anatomical? function. Autonomous, not anatomical. Anatomical. No, trust me. Okay, fine. Yeah. So you have autonomous and non-autonomous biological functions. Okay. And autonomous would be digestion, heart, heart rate, rate, blood pumping, mm-hmm. all those kinds of things. Non-autonomous, are, you do mm-hmm. breathe, obviously. Um, but you can take, you can hijack the control of that function. Yeah. I taught anatomy and physiology and pharmacology. What are you trying to do? Me, me, me. Okay. Anyway. So, okay. So managing your, your anxiety is one of the main things that you can do and being aware. It's the self-awareness around all of these challenges that we're facing. Yep. 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 Some of the other things that you need to do to manage your anxiety is maintaining good health. Yes. And to maintain good health. Fitbit yells at me. Is to do things like getting the proper sleep that you need. I don't know. My Fitbit just healthy food. Say my so my Fitbit literally just said feed me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So she's not managing very well right now, but she is going to get there and have some food soon. But it is managing and understanding healthy habits. Yes, agreed. Um, and working on different solutions Sleep. for managing anxiety. Sleep is a major one. Sleep and, is major, oh and man. exercise to me is another one. Getting out, and we did that today. So because today's a bit of a funky chicken day. Um, I kidnapped Paulette and we went on a little toddle, um, socially distanced, approved, didn't leave, you know, the region situation before anybody mm-hmm. freaks out about COVID. Um, I had to do a curbside pickup. Paulette hadn't been in that area of Burlington. Um, so we went and did that, but then we actually did a stop and we went to a swan sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Um, here in Burlington and I didn't tell her where we were going but I know she enjoys the water I know she enjoys whatever now we did have four swans try and kill us so that part wasn't great (laughs) 
They were following us, ready to attack. They seriously were very oh. assertive, which they aren't normally. Yeah. So I don't know what was going on, but I was like, back, Satan. Like, you need to stand down. But it was that connect with nature. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're in extremely stressful times. So if this seems overwhelming right now, completely understand. But even getting out for 10 minutes a day. Step out of your house for 10 minutes a day. You don't have to go far. Okay, most people laugh at me, but I have a ritual I do every day that keeps me sane. Oh, your Starbucks thing? Yeah, every day, sometime in the middle of the afternoon, I usually drive to Starbucks and get a cup of tea that I could probably make at home for two cents. However. But getting out, driving to Starbucks, going into Starbucks. Priceless. Priceless. You got it. It's we did that thing. today. We, we did. did we did today. do that today. We I placed a curbside order and and we also went for a quick walk because all of a sudden that polar vortex came in <laughs> out of nowhere and froze our asses off. But it was those simple things. We both recognize that we're both stressed. We both recognize that right now with the lockdowns and everything that's going on, that it's you know, it's easy to hibernate, especially at this time of year. It's easy to roll in on yourself and trust me when I say there have been days there was like two days in a row I didn't leave the house Mm -hmm. and I feel it I feel it building I feel it being not a positive experience Mm -hmm. and I usually start every morning by standing at the front door with my green smoothie and practice gratitude Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. ground myself and if it's a nice day I do that outside on my front porch so that I know I got outside Mm -hmm. for a certain amount of time that day and everybody so. has to recognize what works for them. Absolutely. And follow through with these rituals, with these routines, these structures that help you keep calm and focused. Yes. But these are not easy. These oh, yeah. So this is this was my chief beef is mm-hmm. that people, um, and, and my son's guilty of this. He thinks if he does it once that, you know, problem solved, you know, one and mm-hmm. done. And I, my Lord, I mean, like, no boy. Like, mm-hmm. your result is directly related to your effort. Um, so if you are interested in making these changes, you can also actually access, there's some interesting documentation on, um, it's prepared by the National Center for Learning Disabilities. Um, there's stuff there on executive function, which mainly references kids. However, it can, um, reference adults as well. Mm -hmm. We've got an excellent article here from, um, Samuel Hunley from Emory University, that talks about the connection of executive function mm-hmm. and anxiety, and we'll, sh- we'll share that link. We found some other resources from Harvard University, from the Center on the Developing Child, and while that says child, they also offer resources on building the executive function skills um, adults need for life. Mm-hmm. So there may not have been opportunity when you were younger to understand the importance of these, and you need to have them now. If you're working with a counselor, if you're working with a coach, if you're working with an organization, um, and this hasn't been happening for you, bring up to them that you'd like to work on this. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, your coaching relationship and your counselor relationship is in your control. Yeah. Um, you're able to contribute to that. Direct Absolutely. that. Yeah. Yes. And you have to not do only what your counselor or your therapist, whatever, tells you what to do. You have to do what works for you. Come up with some stuff on your own, because there's more buy-in then, too. But you have to realize that this requires a lot of work and a lot of effort. This type of change does not happen overnight. If you think, I've meditated for 20 minutes, I'll be fine for the rest of my life, it ain't going to work, right? You have to put all the work in on a daily basis, regular times, 
to get this. You have to be reasonable with your expectations. That's a big one. Yes. Be conscientious. 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 Yes. In what goals you set to work on and your anxiety. Make a plan and follow through with it yeah. consistently on a regular daily basis. Even if it is just stepping outside for five mm -hmm. minutes in the morning, practicing some gratitude. Grounding, you know. Any of those yeah, things. It's whatever. We're just, you know, start out with five minutes a day. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to try, five minutes a day. And yeah. keep in mind, it takes 21 days to create a new habit. And there are lots of resources to give you a hand with that. And control that negative self-talk. If one day you don't take that five minutes that mm -hmm. you said you would, you know, I haven't had a green smoothie in two days. Mm -hmm. Not great. Um, but we'll get back on the bandwagon tomorrow. And yep. and that's okay. Two days, not going to kill me. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm doing some other things that are positive that should help. Yeah. It will help. And again, it's a rough day today. Yeah, it's been all right. It's been all right. It's been all right. Okay. Mostly because Paulette's here, but it's been all right. Okay. So I think that's, we're going to wrap up on, um, that's executive function and anxiety. Oh, and how it hijacks your um, emotional regulation. And uh, sorry, my computer just went a little cock-a-loopy there. What is going on? There we go. <laughs> whoopsie chicken that was stressful um so we will get some resources together if you visit spiritcareerscanada.ca we will make sure within the blog post to do some links in there um and i would love to know what you're doing to um address any executive function deficits you know emotional regulation all those kinds of big fancy terms for your state of mind and if you have anxiety you know know that the both of us also do and common thing common thing and especially right now um acknowledging it is the first step and figuring out what you want to do about it absolutely there's no one step for it but there's lots of steps you can take yeah and there's a lot of different tools out there you have to find the one that works for you and use it consistently make the change there be the change what okay. was that from miscongeniality oh yes <laughs> be the crown <laughs> I love that movie. That was a good movie. Um, so that was our... Oh, and Attitude is a, um, a resource that we've just found. ADD, Etude. Uh, it's to do with ADHD, um, which you might not think has anything to do with you, but it can. And there's some stuff that they recommend to handle ADHD that can handle a whole bunch of other stuff. So there's uh, some great resources there. But I think we're going to we're gonna wrap it up. Yeah, I think, I think that's good. great. Anything else you want to reiterate? No. Consistency is the key to change a habit. As Elizabeth just said, 21 days to change a habit. Create. Create and change. Create and change. Yep. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so thanks for joining us, everybody. We really appreciate it. Um, our last part three on executive function will be how executive function impacts social relationships. Um, I think we're going to include work in that as well because mm -hmm. if your executive function is all over the map, and you have not implemented any tools to keep that on track. I, for example, use my phone a lot. Mm -hmm. um, everything goes in my calendar, to-do lists, you know, all that kind of stuff. It will affect your ability to engage positively at work. And if you want to pay your bills, you, gotta work. you need to get your shit together. Mm -hmm. So we will talk to you soon. Um, and thank you very much. We appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye. I swear to you, I, you
Thank you for joining us on the Across the Desk podcast with our new series, The Future Looks Good. Please check out SpiroCareersCanada.ca to learn more about the resources available to people on the autism spectrum for employment success.